Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here are your co-hosts, Shenandoah Connor and Barron's Hall of Fame top advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome everyone to the Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors podcast. I am so excited for our guest today. This is something kind of in my wheelhouse, but not necessarily something I'm a deep expert in. So I can't wait to introduce our guest, but I have to introduce my co-host first. John, if you want to give everyone a shout out. Hello, Podcast Nation. Excited to be here today and um, uh, you know, really excited to have Shenandoah introduce Crystal in a little bit, who uh, is a mutual friend of a past guest that uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed his presentation, a Mr. Bill Cates, uh, aka the shit we call Bill, <laughs> laughingly. So uh, we, you know, we're really excited and uh, I can just share uh, I know so little about what you do that I can't wait to be a sponge and, and learn. So thanks again uh, for joining us today and I'll have Shenandoah properly introduce you. Yeah, and I guess I should uh, say, you know, Bill's official AKA is the referral coach, but that's John's, you know, friendly term of endearment for him. Um, we'll come up with something nice for Crystal here too, but she's actually got her own really cool moniker that she goes by. And that is the LinkedIn Ninja. So Crystal Thies is known as the LinkedIn Ninja. I did meet her through Bill. Um, they were very active on LinkedIn and that's, you know, naturally a great place to connect with me and meet with people. But this is a topic that advisors ask me about all the time on how can we do this better? How do I use this better? How do I prospect? How do I gain visibility? And it's something that I'm very familiar with, but I can't keep up with it enough to be truly effective. And I'm always looking for people to learn from. And so I was so excited when I met Crystal and asked her if she would be on the show and she agreed. And so we are here to listen to her. So tell everybody a little bit about you, Crystal, how you got into the industry and, and why LinkedIn? Um, well, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a crazy story, and in a way, it almost starts with Bill. Um, I was a financial advisor for the very first time back in the late 90s, um, was with American Express Financial Advisors at the time. Uh, we were an office in uh, Evansville, Indiana, and we, we focused on, on financial planning, and I was a young 20-something, <laughs> didn't really know what I was doing, and we had literally just moved to that area, and of course, you know, when you're kind of young and a little bit stupid, you don't know what you don't know, and I landed in a city where I knew nobody, and I decided I wanted to be a financial advisor. <laughs> Um, and luckily, though, I found American Express Financial Advisors because of the, 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 the platform they had and the affiliation with American Express still, it was one of the key things that allowed me to be so successful. And um, I was with them for about two years, um, exceeded goals, became a leader, won awards, all that kind of stuff. And then my now ex-husband decided we needed to relocate for his career. So, you know, kind of blew things up. And I had started actually specializing in charitable giving and working with nonprofits before that part of the career ended. And, and when we relocated, I really never anticipated going back into it. I actually went into the nonprofit sector, got a master's degree in nonprofits, but 
something just the recruiters kept pulling me the the memory of being an advisor back then and the cool stuff that i really enjoyed kind of pulled me and i got contacted in 2007 by a recruiter saying well and we, you should give this a try again. And I, and I got to thinking, well, with all of this expertise of having worked in the nonprofit sector, working with small, mid-sized um, nonprofits and, and understanding how many resources they don't have for both employee benefits as well as charitable giving, um, you know what, this could be interesting. This, I, I could do this. Well, I live in the greater Cincinnati area. My other half who I met down here is from the Cleveland area and I'm from the Cleveland area as well. And so what I learned that first time around was you don't start a financial planning practice unless you're planning to stay. <laughs> and we had talked about possibly relocating back where all of our family was. And I just kept getting hit up and hit up and I got a really good opportunity in 2007 to get started again. And I decided to take the jump. And part of the reason I took the jump was it had been almost a decade. So I started doing my research, you know, still you have to do all your own marketing. I, I know all that you got to pay for all of that. How can I get up and running as fast as possible? And I found this article about LinkedIn. Well, back when I was that first ad young advisor, Bill Cates's first book ever, Unlimited Referrals came out and everyone in our office carried that thing around like a Bible. That's how we learned referral marketing. And when I saw LinkedIn and I saw the advanced search and I saw the power to take it to actually take control over referrals, as opposed to having to depend on the other person to try to come up with with ideas. I could run a search and I can look and see who they're connected to instead of saying, well, who do you know, I can actually say, well, hey, can you introduce me to this person I'm like, okay, game changer. Um, you know, LinkedIn was a shadow of what it is today. And um, Unfortunately, the, uh, the, the memory of compliance and the thought that I might not be able to use the tool never entered the, you know, the, the thought process. So I got started again on January 2nd, 2008. So, you know, best timing ever to try and restart a financial planning practice. You know, first half of the year was great. Social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, none of that was on the compliance radar at that point. Um, and of course, as we know, as financial advisors, if they're not telling you no, that means you can use it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, about the same time that the market tanked was when social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all hit the compliance radar and boom, the kibosh came down. It's like, no, you can't use that. And so I was pretty much like, oh, sh what now? You know, this was the main tool that I'd started building new relationships with up in Cleveland. I hadn't lived there for 15 years, even though I had family, my family wasn't my target market. So, you know, I was really leveraging it to start to, to build, um, a really good solid professional network fast. And so when, when that happened, I had to kind of evaluate, what do I do? Do I think I can stick it out in this role? Or, you know what, I'd fallen in love with LinkedIn. I really had, I was like, oh my God, it is the most amazing, powerful tool. And I decided to let, let's, let's follow the social media path. There aren't that many experts on it in 2008. There's definitely none in financial services. Um, I'm going to go that route. And I decided to, to, to take that route. And I, I plan to specialize on financial services. I really didn't think it would take about five years. You know, I knew financial services move slow, but it actually moved <laughs> even slower than I thought. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how I got started. So I, I saw it as a sales tool first and foremost. Nobody saw it as a sales tool back then. I held my first LinkedIn for lead generation webinar back in 2010. 
And I figured out LinkedIn's a gold mine for 401k rollovers. And I was the first person to come up with that search of how do you find 401k rollover opportunities? And I was actually speaking at, a, at an event for another broker dealer and I was teaching them the search. And in this 45 minute presentation, someone landed a, a, a 401k rollover, actually two, before I was done speaking. It can be that powerful. So that's kind of, you know, how things evolved. You know, the book kind of came from a, a partnership that actually I can trace through a LinkedIn connection. It, it's just, it's a, when you really get into it, it it's, it's a powerful tool. And Wow, Crystal, great, great story. And I can't wait to hear more. Hey, here's one of the great things that uh, I learned today. And I had no idea that you were with American Express Financial Advisors back in the day. So we probably know some people in common and, uh, I heard you talk about getting involved in leadership, very, very similar career path. So uh, I, I uh, it's great. So many great people came through. The advisors I came up with are still actually actively practicing and successful, so. Wow, yeah, well, uh, maybe offline we can talk some about that, but I love your story. I love that you actually lived in the shoes of a financial advisor uh, and that really understand uh, the business as well. So I'll let Shenandoah dig in, but uh, really impressive background and kind of funny how things, you know, one thing leads to the next and, uh, you know, and there you are, right? I guess, as they say. Absolutely. And I could see as she was talking, John, like, I, oh, oh, like you could, and that was part of when I met with her too. She, again, like you said, had walked in the path of a financial advisor. So knows the pain of compliance, knows the pain of having to build a, a business from scratch on your own um, and kind of working within that. And, uh, you know, kind of just like us, we're passionate about helping the financial advisor community. And she found her, her niche for that. Um, and kind of along those lines, I mean, you've been at this, gosh, for over 10 years now. So LinkedIn has definitely evolved. Financial services has evolved. But I'm sure during that time, you have seen some advisors make some pretty costly mistakes or some silly mistakes. Can you touch on that? Like, what are the big mistakes that you see advisors make the most? Um, it, it, and it is sad. And, and I see it every day. And um, still, to this day, I'm seeing a lot more really good usage by financial advisors of LinkedIn. But there's still a lot of really bad usage. And, and it's really, in a way, not their fault per se, um, you know, because depending on what platform they're on, they have the compliance restrictions and they're given, you know, a lot of tight boundaries around what they can do, or they believe a lot of times when, when I review different social media policies, I'll ask them, can you do this? Can you do that? Oh no, I can't do that. And I dig into the policy. I'm like, no, it doesn't say you can't do that. It, you know, so they, they, they get so fearful that they don't try things. And then on the other hand, there are these platforms that come along to try and make it, oh, it's super easy. You don't have to do anything to get clients on social media. And the stuff they put out is not good. It's just not what people actually want to read. And so essentially how they're using the tool is as either going back to dialing for dollars or as basically um, a mass advertising. And LinkedIn's a network. And when it comes to how you can have success with it, you have to put in the effort to build a relationship. 
And especially when you're talking about working with someone's money, the level of trust you have to get up before you even have that first meeting, you are not going to invite someone to connect cold and send them a message and immediately they're going to sit down and have a meeting and talk about becoming a client with you. It just doesn't work that way. Even back in the day, it didn't work that day. God, how many seminars, workshops did I put on, the newsletters? The thing about LinkedIn though is that that process, which when they say you can touch someone's, you know, take seven to nine times to touch someone before they become a client, it used to take a freaking year back when you had, you know, newsletters and well, then there's the Christmas card or maybe you were allowed to, you know, put together a couple of seminars a year kind of thing. Maybe you ran into someone at a chamber meeting. It took a long time. You can do that same amount of contact effectively not salesy in three to four months. So you can truncate that, but it's still gonna take time. And to me, the biggest thing, like I said, is either they're automating, pushing out crap for content, which actually LinkedIn's algorithm's not gonna show to anyone anyway. So you're wasting your time. And then LinkedIn's just, they, they pegged your entire profile. Someone just pushing out crap through the API that no, that no one's engaging with. And so they don't even try to get you visibility if you were to put something really good, really good up there or they're just using the automated bots and, and hitting invites and then immediately turning around doing what, what, what is now being referred to as pitch slapping, um, which is you immediately turn around and you send a sales pitch to people and they don't like that. And you know, with the bots, there's just so much that can go wrong as opposed to really focusing on identifying the right type of prospect that I would really want to have a client and spending a little bit more effort working on a few of them to create the relationship to actually get the conversion as opposed to going the mass quantity level, which it just doesn't, it doesn't work if you really want to work with ideal clients. You know, one of the, my, my first year as an advisor, one of my managers, um, to me, still, I still consider it to be one of the, the best compliments I've ever gotten. And in some instances, people may not consider it to be that. But he said, you know, when Crystal doesn't get a lot of clients, but when she gets one, she gets everything. And, you know, to me, that's the way I would prefer to work as a financial advisor, unless you're just peddling product, which this day and age is getting tougher and tougher to try and do, if you're building relationship, you got to put in the effort. And so to me, the, the, the ones that put on autopilot, the ones that, that hit the, just do the traditional, what we used to do back in the, the 80s, 90s, in terms of dialing for dollars, but just on a different platform that treat it the same way, they're the ones that are making the mistakes. So really well said, Crystal. Um, you know, for advisors out there, and I'm going to be totally transparent, when you're talking about bots and I think APIs. Yeah, it gets foreign language to John. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love that. And that, that's what makes you the LinkedIn ninja, right, for sure. So as we think about it for our audience, um, it would be really helpful to me and therefore I think our audience to just kind of, if you're an advisor out there today, right, and you're, you're thinking about how do I use LinkedIn, we're all reading about it, hearing about it, like I can't wait to execute on it better within my own firm and be able to help other advisors uh, through our coaching program. Um, what, what's the first step? Is it about building you know, the audience? Is it about building your profile? Is it about building your network? Maybe you could just walk us through um, kind of how you look at that. Right. So, I mean, the first step does come down to the profile, though I, I've kind of changed my tune a little bit in terms of 
trying to tell people, well, you need to fully optimize your profile before you do anything because I found that people really, really freeze up. Um, the, the headline, which is the field below your name and the about section are the two most important parts in treating them effectively. Now, this is where compliance gets tricky in terms of some may be able to, some may not. Um, but the headline is not supposed to be your title. It's called a headline. So you need to treat it as you would a headline on a newspaper. You know, people run a search looking for financial advisors. They're going down the list and everyone just says financial advisor, financial advisor. You know, how do you know which one to pick? The headline is the only thing that follows you around everywhere you go on LinkedIn that's going to compel people to, to understand what type of financial advisor is, who you serve, what's special, what's different about you. And then you carry that story into the about. And the about is not about you. It's not about you talking about how great of an advisor it is. Any millions, billions in, in you know, an AUM you have and you know, how affluent your clients are. It's about talking about your target market, about helping them see themselves and what it is that you do. Um, and so it, it's a little bit difficult to do that a lot of times because it's a different perspective that a lot of financial advisors don't have. But putting that, the, if you can really define a clear message that speaks to your target market, which assuming you have a target market, which that's even going back further, how many financial advisors I ask and say, well, who's your target market? And you know, I, I get the standard, well, 50 to 55 with 250,000 and, and ask, I'm like, no, 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 no. You, 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 got, you gotta be more definitive than that. Yeah, um, Crystal, no, and, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I wanna get back to the top but it's interesting um we just had a podcast that came out a couple days ago that i re-listened to uh with uh with john randall who was a great guest and a, a coach and he went really deep into niche marketing uh, and, yeah. I, and i think you're kind of talking about the same thing so two things that i'm hearing you say that i think are really important that i'm probably not doing very well as i think about it therefore most other advisors aren't i just want to use an example right so um, you know, when you think about title, um, I'm, and I'm just curious, I might be wrong here, but we've got a tagline in my firm, right? <laughs> that we help clients plan for the certainty of uncertainty. So would a, would a title be um, something like helping clients plan for the certainty of uncertainty, or would it be, um, you know, helping, you know, uh, optometrists, uh, you know, maximize the value of their practice or you know, something along those lines. Um, well, one, just to clear, because this is where semantics gets in, the title is in the experience section. The section we're talking about is the headline, um, but it would be more like the, um, the the ladder that you explained. So kind of a mini formula that I tell people to kind of use, and, and LinkedIn has increased it. You used to only have 120 characters, so getting this into 120 characters was really tough. You have 220, but also too, it gets cut off. So you really wanna make sure you front end um, if, if you're going to use make go longer, but what you do from a functional standpoint, who do you serve and what results do you get? You know, obviously with financial advisors, we're not talking about <laughs> investment results. We're talking more about benefits, but yeah, so it would be a lot more, um, like that. So, you know, financial advisor helping, um, dentists, you know, um, and, and I can, if people contact me, I have some, some exam, really great example financial advisors. Uh, profiles that I've put together that I'm always happy to share, but but helping them deal with hand, you know, maybe the combination of the personal and the business or growing their practice or 
and keeping their employees with great retirement benefits, or you, you kind of want to pull it into a statement of, the, of that nature. Um, and, and also to getting that key term that people would search for you, whether it's financial advisor, financial planner, getting that in there is, is important um, as well. But yeah, you want it to be more of a statement and you want to find some way to make that sound differently than every other financial advisor, because I, I am starting to see that headline where those who are optimizing it a bit more, they still start to sound the same. Yeah, no, yeah. I get it. Oops, I'm sorry, Shen, you go. Yeah, no, I, no, I was going to kind of point to that about like having some personality. I know LinkedIn is very adamant about being professional, but thinking about that differentiator and, and so that, because um, I, I do see that a lot where that the same headline, like if I see growth hacker one more time or, you know, some of these things that people try to use and these, these terms that become empty and meaningless very quickly, but being honest and transparent and authentic, uh, but also what makes you different and how can someone connect with you and try and show some of your personality through, especially as like, I, I loved how you said, this is your headline and the about is the rest of the story. So thinking about, you know, what headlines are going to capture you. And then when you dive in, what is the story that you're trying to tell from that headline and, and who are you trying to connect with on a personal level with that story and headline? Um, and but John- those first couple of lines in the about section just to to pull in have to be just as catching because LinkedIn doesn't show the whole about section anymore. They only show about three to four lines and people have to click on read more. So if those first three lines of your about section don't say, oh my God, I got to read, I got to find out what that is, then you know, you're kind of losing it. Um, so it's, you really got to further grab the, grab the attention of people with those first few lines and then go into kind of your story. No, makes makes a lot of sense. So it's about kind of telling that story, right? The niche marketing, I think that's really smart. Um, and then is there, I mean, I, I could just share with you, I, I'm notoriously sitting on my couch with my iPad, pretending I'm watching TV and I stumble on LinkedIn and just if I see someone every once in a while, I'll just hit connect, right? And not, a, not a lot of rhyme or reason for that. Um, so where, where do, you know, do, should advisors be connecting to their clients, to their friends, to people in certain industries or niches? How do you start to build out kind of your, your following, followership, I guess? So first and foremost is to try to connect with everybody that you know, because the money level of LinkedIn is the second degree. That's the referral level. That's the introduction level. And making the assumption that someone you know doesn't, isn't connected to someone that could be a client is a really bad assumption to make. I mean, someone could be a Starbucks barista and you may think, ah, they can't help me with my business. But if they're giving lattes to CEOs and senior VPs all day long and they build that relationship with them because they see them every freaking morning, that's a good person, that's a good connection to have. Because when you run the search, the advanced search, it allows you to look for people who are in that second degree. So starting first and foremost, um, I'm a big believer in building your network with intention. Don't just randomly accept people, especially if they're not in your target market. Um, the other issue for that is that there are tens of thousands, if not getting to hundreds of thousands of fake profiles out there, and they're trying to connect with you specifically to get your email address to put you on spam and phishing. If you're using a corporate email, they can get the kind of algorithm of the, the email address and they use that to hack the servers. So just blindly accepting people and also too, they're just trying to sell to you. Do you wanna, I mean, so if you 
needed or wanted to get an introduction to one of their connections and you have no relationship with you, how effective is that going to be? You know, what if they don't even respond when you ask them to? So for me, when it comes to the invitations that you connect, um, one, if they're target market, absolutely. <laughs> you grab that, you grab that puppy and you immediately, you know, send a follow-up. But if they're not, you, know, you can make a judgment call. Does this person look interesting? Am I wondering? You can actually send a message reply back if they didn't add a message to explain why they wanted to connect with you and ask for more information. And that's what I recommend people do. You never know why someone's wanting to connect with you. I actually landed a $50,000 contract client who was in the pharmaceutical industry because I asked that and I would, I've never worked with anyone in that target market. It's not an interest of me, but if I hadn't asked, I wouldn't have gotten that client. So you never know why. But, um, but in terms of you sending out connections, you know, you really do want to be strategic. You want to, anyone that you meet, every time you meet someone, you definitely want to add them. People who are in your target market, centers of influence to your target market, that's who you actively want to connect to. But the people who are bombarding you, and especially when you, the word bot that I, use, that I mentioned earlier is black hat automation software that LinkedIn doesn't allow. And so people basically just turn it on, put in a template and boom, let it run. And it just runs down a list of search results and it's not picking you necessarily to invite to connect. It's, and, and for that, those to work, the search has to be so broad. You get so many people who truly are not your target in, into that search, but really be, be intentional about it. You know, if you're, if people are inviting you to connect, how are they going to benefit you? They're not going to benefit you in any way. Um, then why connect with them? Now, if, again, it, it all comes down to who you think their second degrees are. And if you're going to go cold to them, then they might be a good connection. But if you want to get a referral or an introduction, if you're going after a more affluent or, um, you know, sophisticated type of prospect, a cold introduction is not going to get you anywhere. So what good is it? Absolutely. And, you know, that's something too, um, you know, like, like John says, you know, you just sit there and hit connect and I get those too. Where I'm like, okay, why are you reaching out to me? I don't know who you are, but I found like, even when I reached out to you, I reached out to you through LinkedIn and I added a note saying, Hey, you know, I, I saw we're connected through bill, you know, and, and you guys were interacting and there was this comment coming up. And I think this would be really valuable to our audience. So I always try and add a personal note. And I know I, I hate, that's why I don't do it through a device because it doesn't always allow you to do that. I do all of my connections on my desktop so I can add that note. And mm -hmm. I found if I add a note, I almost always get an acceptance and then a nice response back. Um, so I found adding a personal note to be pretty effective. And, and like you said too, on the receiving end, especially now that we've been having the podcast out, I don't know about you, John, I'm getting so many requests with a pitch built in before I've even accepted the request. Like they're not even waiting for me to accept before they're doing what you call, I guess, a pitch slap. <laughs> now. Yep, um, slap. I did not invent that. I don't remember who did, but, um, yeah, but yeah. No, no, I mean, it works, but that's what it feels like. And like, oh, okay. Like, maybe they're interesting, whatever. And it's instantly, I want to sell you on something, or I love when they want to try and sell like financial services to us too. I'm like, you didn't read our profile or who we're associated with or, um, or like completely irrelevant. Like, obviously you, you didn't look, or like you said, it's a bot. So in it, but it leaves an impression. Um, and I've even had people where I know the person and they're using a bot and they're interacting with me in a way. And I'm like, you don't know that I just had lunch with him. Like it's obvious that this is not you running your profile. So that, like, like you said, personalizing it is, is so critical. And I, John, I think you have something to say as well. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, just to kind of drill down, I think, great point, Shen. Um, I love what you had said a minute ago, Crystal. I think you said, what did you say? The, the, the money level is the second degree, right? So it's, it's not about that connection, I guess, is what that means. It's about the people that that connection knows. And, you know, to tie it back to Bill Cates a little bit, one of the things he taught my team, which was really effective, which he might have very well learned from you, is when you bring on a client, and then you connect with that client on LinkedIn, you're, you kind of get that, that perspective of now being able to see all the people that they're connected with, right? So if I happen to bring on a client who works for, you know, Acme Corporation, and I LinkedIn and, you know, that client will likely accept my request. Now I get to see my clients, you know, friends at work who also might be executives at Acme. Uh, when, when we get into that referral conversation with the client, you're at this point where you can actually suggest a name and say, hey, now that I know you're open to introduce me and you found value in what we've done, um, you know, happened to be on your LinkedIn, I saw you've got, you know, Shenandoah Connor, who, you know, maybe she sits next to you at the office next door. Would she be someone that I should meet? So is that, Crystal, do you see advisors using LinkedIn for that kind of thing as well? Um, they, they do, those who really look at it. Now, there is one thing, people can turn that ability off to let someone go through their connections. And so, depending on how sophisticated um, your client is, and, you know, they may, they may turn that off and not allow you to do that. Um, I definitely do see some. I, I get a lot of advisors, though, complaining who have done... Um, kind of what you had talked about earlier of the just connecting to anybody who invites them to connect. And so then when they run the search to find the second degree, the referrals, and they reach out to the person, they're like, well, I don't really know you. And so that that's another reason. It's just like, well, then don't connect to that many people <laughs> that you don't know, um, you know, if you really want to use it for introductions. But but no, the smart ones do. And um, actually, Bill and I were, were talking about he, he's kind of started a system and I have different systems that were specifically go to um, possibly drilling into a larger company for advisors just getting started. But yeah, you can see that. Um, you can search for that, other people that they're connected to. Um, yeah, love it. It's uh, so much that you can do with it. And I think you used the word before, which I, it's one of my favorite words, uh, which was just being intentional, right? And just making sure that you know, you're thinking about who you connect with and how that can, you know, that, I mean, that, that's what I'm understanding and talking to you, Crystal, which I actually really love because it's very much how I approach business. It, it's just a vertical of your business. I mean, LinkedIn and I presume social media in general, when you, when, if you focus on it, you know, if you, if you have the right intentional focus, it's an arm in your business, no different than back in the day. It was, dinner seminars or joining a networking group or whatever it may be. It's something you put a business plan in place. You kind of figure out the KPIs, the things that you need to do consistently, rinse and repeat, do that over and over. And I assume it starts to, uh, you know, get a, a pretty nice uh, effect and you get, you get pretty good at it if you understand what to do. Yeah, Absolutely. No, definitely. 
definitely. Um, and that's why part one, one kind of, I have a free system that I created a while ago called Baby Steps to LinkedIn Success, which focuses just on those few little, those, those tactics that really move the needle and doing just a little bit of them every single day. Um, I, I will say, and, and Shenandoah had brought up a really good point about including that, that message when you're inviting people to connect, you got to be really careful with that um, as well, depending on who, if you're going after your prospects, inviting your prospects to connect. Because if you're basically just saying, hey, I work with, you know, executives at Procter & Gamble and would like to connect with you, you know, that's not going to work. Um, I tell people you have to really focus on the whiff. You have to find a what's in it for them to connect with you that has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not they become a client of yours. There's got to be a reason for them to connect that they feel is authentic to connect. So for example, one, um, one of my clients up in, in the Cleveland area um, specializes in working with executives at large Cleveland companies like Cleveland Clinic, Progressive, um, Sherwin-Williams and all of that. And well, the approach that we, we take with him to try and get him connected to those people is all about philanthropy and servant leadership because he is actually out there creating bike rides to raise money for funds. He, you know, he had um, leukemia or lymphoma or something at some point. That's one of his big charities. But it's very evident on his profile that he is also a philanthropist, that he does these types of things. And so when we reach out to connect and you only have 300 characters and an invite to connect too. So you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be really brief. And you know, it's all about, I'm trying to connect with other community leaders who are, you know, interested in building community philanthropy and servant leadership, would you be open to it? And actually, for the level of, of executives he's reaching out to, the acceptance rate is really, really good. And I believe he's definitely gotten clients from that. So it's about finding that reason to connect. You know, if you're looking, to, if you're looking for 401ks for someone just getting started kind of thing, really emphasizing maybe I have a big network. I see you're looking for a job. I'd love to learn more about the type of job you want so that I might be able to make introductions to you. You know, what's a reason for them? You know, one that I use myself when I'm um, trying to connect with different coaches and, and consultants is that my connections from time to time need some sort of a coaching consultant. There's so many different types and I want to be able to refer the right type of client to you. I'd love to get connected and have a conversation to learn more about your business, what you're trying to do. The more you focus that initial phone call, which after you connect, sending a follow-up message, that's the next big key to that, um, and trying to get a conversation just to get to know you and how I can help you. How can I refer business to you? How can I help you find a job? How can I help connect you if you're trying to develop your career and want speaking opportunities? Look at your target market and understand what is it that you need. You make it sound very simple. Why did I not figure all this out? Yes. You know, you know it's, it's amazing, right? And, you know, Shenandoah and I were on a, a, a Zoom offsite. So I guess that's an insight. I don't know what you would call that, a, a Zoom room offsite. We both have uh, Zoom fatigue going on today. Um, but we talked about uh, creating simplicity on the far side of complexity, right? And it's just, it's so evident to me as you're talking uh, that you're a ninja. You, you know this stuff so well that at the end of the day, it's just really simple. And when you say it, it's kind of like, duh. Yeah, why, why would someone respond if you didn't actually give them a compelling reason to? I love, I wrote it down, the WIFT, and Shenandoah knows I don't write down a lot of stuff, but uh, right, which stands for what's in it for them, right? Which is really, really powerful and kind of 
teaching me uh, a, a little bit about, about how to do that. So really interesting. My follow-up question for you would be, I like to kind of break things down, right? So profile, connecting with the right people, being intentional, right? And then there's sort of like this education process is what it sounds like of having, you know, good, strong content that folks really are not. in. And because content is such a struggle for financial advisors, what a lot of people don't realize is that you get more visibility when you engage, when you comment on other people's stuff than when you try to push your own stuff out, especially if you're not that good at it. Um, LinkedIn will put, if you comment on someone's post, it will put the fact that you commented in that person's post into a greater percentage of your connections news feeds than if you put just a brand new post because they want to push content downstream. And so for those who are struggling with the concept of content um, that either one, they're not allowed to, or they can only use the, the crappy white label stuff that's out there, or they just are unwilling to do the pre-planning to create their own content to get it through the compliance process beforehand, comment on other people's stuff, especially centers of influence. You may notice, and, and I probably popped up in Shenandoah's newsfeed because when Bill posts something, I comment on it because I know he's connected to a whole bunch of financial advice. That's advisors. exactly how I saw you. You commented on Bill some, uh, one of his posts and I was like, oh, LinkedIn Ninja, I need to meet this woman. And so that's how it started, exactly. And so you'll get greater visibility. So for me, at least a, a base good message to your target mark on your profile, connect everyone you know and start trying to connect to people who are in your target market, send those cold connections, a follow-up message, and then engage on their stuff, especially if it's a prospect or a center of influence. If they're posting content on LinkedIn, then you want to comment on their posts, first and foremost. You do those things, you know, invite, follow up, engage, you're going to be rocking it without having to get super technical. Perfect. No, and actually just to that point, we recently just changed our strategy to where we're putting out fewer posts and trying to engage on more of either having people engage in our own posts or engaging in our network. And we've already seen a significant impact from that. Or we try to boost one of our advisors at a specific time and everybody go engage on that. And that's mm -hmm. actually helped elevate that advisor as well. So it's yeah. definitely been impactful in our practice. I will uh, say, I know we're running out of time, but you, you mentioned something that I really want to dive into because it's like the thing I think is holding a lot of people back and that's compliance. And uh, I know you've got a resource for us, but um, that we can talk to you um, here shortly. But, you know, I, I think something that you mentioned in a conversation we had is how to work with compliance to enable you to be able to do LinkedIn. I know that's something that a lot of advisors are running into or, or like, or that fear of I'm, I'm going to get my hand slapped if I do something. So um, can you touch on that for a, a moment? And then uh, we'll wrap up and, and with sharing what that resource is, because that's kind of helps a lot with this issue. Sure, sure. No, and you know, it really does depend on what platform you are on. Um, I can definitely tell you that there's been a wide opening of most compliance policies in terms of allowing people to do to, to do a lot more and pretty much almost everything within LinkedIn. There are still some um, issues where they're just, it's more about a lot of times capacity and having the compliance team to have to oversee everything as opposed to anything else. That, that's really where it comes down to is the, the, the money that the, um, the firm has to spend in the compliance oversight. Um, you know, being able to 
customize the about and the headline are the two most crucial things. Being able to send private messages um, are the most crucial things. Um, if you're allowed to get and do those you know, compliantly. I have still seen some policies, unfortunately, that aren't letting their advisors use the messaging function of LinkedIn, which just, you know, is mind boggling to me. Um, unfortunately, you know, you, unless you're really a top producer, a lot of times it's going to be hard to push back on something that big. But, you know, if you really top producers, I found sometimes can get them to bend. <laughs> a little bit more um, than not, but, you know, work with the, you know, ask one, if, if, don't assume that what you're reading in the policy is still exactly how they're operating too. A lot of times I've seen that the policy was created two years ago, but they've actually internally maybe loosened things up. Maybe they're allowing a lot more. Um, actually, I was work just working with a Morgan Stanley um, advisor and I, I'm pretty sure I, I wrote his about section and it while it was a pain in the butt going back and forth and we did not get everything that we wanted from the compliance department, it's probably the most original and unusual about section of any Morgan Stanley advisor out there because we pushed it, you know, we, we, we took what they had to say. There's usually a couple of different ways. And I did that myself as an advisor. And then when they come back and say, well, you can't say it that way. There's usually a couple of different ways to get around and get to this, get to the same point. But, um, you know, try, I think the more you try to work with the compliance team about that type of stuff of putting the messaging out there and getting your message right i think you're going to have greater success um, with it um, when it comes to like there's new feature the new features out there <laughs> this is kind of me maybe going back to more of the financial advisor that if it hasn't hit the compliance radar they don't know you you whether you you can do it or not you know, as long as you're tied to the compliance software, you might want to take advantage of it until they understand how it works, you know, because they haven't told you no. Um, yeah, Crystal, lo love the finesse there a little bit. So I, again, dealing with compliance is not always, is not always easy, but I think some good, uh, good little tricks of the trade there. Yeah. I, I know we're a little bit short on time, but I do want to hit a couple things. Um, I'm finding this super interesting and um, Shenandoah knows this. I'm, uh, I, I just look at kind of LinkedIn, uh, you know, LinkedIn and in, in general, social media in the financial services industry as a blue ocean. Um, and there's so much opportunity and it's something that I really want to do in my own practice. So you and I are going to talk, if that's okay. <laughs> um, but I think that there's just such, such an opportunity that as we look ahead, in three years, five years, 10 years, that if we're not doing this kind of work and it might be something different or who knows in the future, um, but we're gonna be left behind. Um, and, I, and, and I've seen that in other kind of marketing strategies uh, that just had to become mainstream in the financial services industry. So one question, and I wanna know this you know, personally, I'm sure the audience is interested as well. I'm sure it's all over the place, right? Every advisor is gonna have different success or results from really engaging. Um, and I know, again, I know you've got a coaching program and uh, I'm actually super interested in talking to you about how we might be able to collaborate A, within my practice, B, I think a lot of the folks we coach uh, and a lot of folks in this podcast might be interested in, in learning how to go deeper with this. But what can an advisor, when I say expect, I know it'll be over a spectrum, but 
in a reasonable scenario, if one advisor, typical advisor who might have a you know, 500,000 to million dollar a year business, and they actually spend some reasonable time on this, what can they expect, let's say, a year after starting, right? Because I know it doesn't all start right away to start to say, hey, I can count on two new clients a year, five, 10, et cetera. I know it's a hard one, but I'm curious to see if I can, if you'll indulge me. Well, I mean, and it's really, the, the one thing that people don't realize is that LinkedIn doesn't do the conversion and your success rate comes from the conversion. It comes, it is based on how good of a salesperson you are. You can do all of this activity of building these connections and having these conversations, but if you're not a good sales, you're not good at converting, it doesn't matter. You know, LinkedIn is the source of the potential clients you're the one who converts them. And so those who are really good at de developing the relationships. Um, so the, the example that I give people in terms of trying to identify, will I be successful with this or not, or at least using my, the, the, the approaches, the organic lead generation that I recommend is if I had a room and I was able to get say 40 to 80 people to agree to go in that room. They know you're in the room. They know what you do. They're not necessarily looking for what you have to offer. Can you make money in that room? If you can, then that's about with, with a kind of a consistent connection building strategy, you're creating that room every month. It's up to you to convert it. If you are not able to create those conversations, that relationship and organically find out if there's a one is, are they qualified? Is it a good fit? Are they interested? And then take them to that next level where you do have a business conversation. If you don't have those skills, there's no amount of activity on LinkedIn that's going to help you as a financial advisor. If you're selling a $30 webinar trying to do that, yes, you could be successful. But something like financial services where you have to build trust and relationship, you have to be good at those skills. LinkedIn will fill your funnel, but the ultimate conversion. So if you do your own kind of, you, you can use the same stats as say bills, referral marketing and introduction marketing. You get those many, that many people in the funnel, how good are you at closing those relationships if you're getting the right people in the funnel? And you can do the math based on your own success rate is what I tell people to do. Yeah. Um, so what, what I'm hearing you say, Crystal, is um, it's pretty scalable to get people who will speak to you um, if you get good at it. And then it just really comes down to does your process resonate and how, you know, how, how much influence and how compelling can you be to actually get that prospective client to want to go down the funnel and, and become your client? Yeah, yeah. And, and picking the right people, inviting the right people to connect as well. It, it all kind of starts with knowing your target market and being very specific about inviting the right people to connect to have that conversation. Which is just the core essentials of marketing. And that's what I find is LinkedIn. It's just, it's another vehicle for employing many of the same best practices as being intentional, being clear about what you do and who you serve and providing value first, building trust and relationship. That's how you work any marketing and sales uh, platform. It's the same thing. So definitely a lot of synergy there. Um, but we have um, run out of time. I did want to give our audience a, an opportunity, one, to learn about this resource that you're providing them. And then if they wanted to learn more about you, how they could find you. Um, and, and like John mentioned, we actually have already kind of started putting a bug in her ear about what are some things we can do to provide our audience directly through us? But if somebody wanted to get with you now, how could they find you? So the resource and how to connect with you. 
Well, I mean, if you Google LinkedIn Ninja, you're not going to, you know, there, there's no way you're not going to find me. Um, the easiest way is to, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn, make sure you add a note and tell me you heard me on the podcast because I don't automatically connect with people who don't, you know, provide me a reason um, to do that. Uh, my new, my website is under development. So if you were to go to LinkedInNinja.com, so my main website is redirecting to my LinkedInNinjaTraining.com. Um, I'm really get excited about, relaun about relaunching my new website, um, the beginning part of the year. It's gonna be super cool. Uh, but the, the resource that I have that I wrote a while ago is um, the LinkedIn Ninja's Guide to the Power of LinkedIn to compliance and the power of LinkedIn, how to use LinkedIn effectively, compliantly, and gain a competitive advantage. It's for both financial advisors as well as compliance um, people because it talks about each section of LinkedIn and what's the power of it, what are some of the compliance issues. Um, these are the places where you should let your advisors really have a bit more freedom if you have to limit things. This, well, there are, might be some compliance issues and it would be helpful, not quite as big of an ROI. And so it kind of walks through each of the key components of LinkedIn that are powerful for a financial advisor to leverage it to find new clients. Um, and you can easily find that at LinkedInCompliance.com. <laughs> Perfect. So, and yeah. I'll put all those links in our show notes uh, to make it easy for everyone. But if someone's listening while they're driving, I think LinkedIn Ninja, easy to Google, and then uh, LinkedIn Ninja Compliance Guide too. But we will definitely include that. I'm actually going to be downloading it now as well and going through it and seeing what we can learn and what else we can uh, uh, I guess, get away with, <laughs> what else can we add? Um, and, and, you know, like you said, we'll see if we can uh, put some John power behind some things. I'm, I'm gonna start calling it the Oprah effect, it's the John effect now. It's like, how can I get some John effect to push some things through here? But uh, I learned a lot, John, I'm sure you did. I, I, I came in uh, knowing 0% of what I need to know. I think I ended maybe knowing about 5% of what I need to know, but I can share um, you know, Crystal, uh, really clearly, you know your space, you know LinkedIn marketing. And, um, you know, to, to quote one of, uh, one of the folks that I, I like to follow uh, a lot is um, Dan Sullivan, right, from the Strategic Coach. And um, I don't know Dan personally or went through his program, but I do listen to his podcast. And he's got this concept of who, not how, right? And basically, it's all about you can't figure out how to do everything on your own. And clearly, you spent a lot of time, energy, and work through the, the do's and don'ts, uh, if you will, of LinkedIn. So, Crystal, thank you so much. Um, I think from my perspective and our guest perspective, tons of nuggets, tons of takeaways. Uh, so, Shenandoah, as usual, great, great uh, picking of a, of a great guest. Uh, we'd love to potentially have you back on at some point to go even a little bit deeper uh, and I look forward to figuring out how we can partner together and um, kind of, you know, maybe I can come a little bit of a, a, a mini ninja LinkedIn person at some point. So, Shenandoah, I'll let you kind of take it away. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again, Crystal, for joining us. And thank you to our audience again for listening. Reminder, look at the show notes for the links for today's uh, guide and to be able to connect with Crystal. And also, if you want to connect with John or I, you can reach out to us through LinkedIn of all places, or you can connect to us through our website. And then tune in next week for another great episode. I don't know exactly who's up next, but we are always looking for great guests. So if you think that you can provide some value to our financial advisors, make sure you submit yourself as a guest as well. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.